Hello, and welcome to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. While there, you can join in the conversation about this show. Just search for Built Different Podcast in your internet browser. Here now is your host, Zach Clinton, on this edition of the Built Different Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this edition of the Built Different Podcast. Hope you guys had a very blessed Father's Day weekend. Hope everybody made their dads feel extremely special. And to all the dads out there, I hope you felt very celebrated, my friends. Guys, we're not going to lie. Today's episode is just flat out rocking. I mean, it is so powerful. Joining us is former LSU soccer star Mo Isom Aiken. Mo is seriously one of the greatest to come through the LSU women's soccer program. She still holds the all-time school record for 35 victories and 25 shutouts. We actually discuss she scored a 90-yard goal in her freshman campaign when she was not only an All-American, but she made all-freshman SEC team and had all those honors. But what we really dive into today is the power of where do we find our identity. I know a lot of us, I know myself growing up, and still at times we question, who am I? But in this interview, we really discuss that our identity is not found in the ways of this world or in the people of this world, but that our true identity is found in Christ. Something that I really pulled away was God loves to use our moments of powerlessness to just draw us closer to him and to his heart. And even in the midst of our running from God, no matter how far we may have strayed, no matter how far we may be running, no matter how fast we may be running— God is just constantly and relentlessly pursuing you, welcoming you with a warm embrace. He's always extending that hand, reaching for you to cling to him. And ultimately, we discuss that God always is extending this invitation to intimacy with him. And he wants us to experience and to live this life of true adventure and experience the fullness that only He has prepared for you personally. Hey everybody, to hear that interview with Mo Isomakin, please stick around, and we'll be right back after this short commercial break. We'll be right back with more after this. guys, Dr. Tim for Ignite Men's Impact Weekend coming August 13th and 14th at Thomas Road Baptist Church. This Ignite is fire. Experience Zach Williams live in concert. Former Pittsburgh Steeler linebacker Ryan Shazier is with us. Best-selling author that fought the battle in Benghazi, Mark Ozgeist for our God and Country Night. Liberty University head football coach Hugh Freeze is with us. World Series champion Daryl Strawberry, Rick Rigsby, so much more. It wouldn't be Ignite without the Extreme Outdoor Expo and Kids Zone with dozens of workshops, stuff that men love, hunting, fishing, football, and more, featuring some of the leading experts in the world. Best news, Virginia is wide open, all restrictions are gone, and we can't wait to get to Ignite. Tickets, just 69 bucks until June 30th. Youth, military, servicemen, retired, only 49. Bring a buddy, 10 or more, save five bucks a ticket. Get them now at ignitemen.net. That's ignitemen.net. Net. Don't miss this one. I know that I'm 
Welcome back to the Built Different Podcast. Here's your host, Zach Clinton. Mo, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course. This is my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. This is so exciting, just getting the opportunity to really sit here with you, to hear more about your heart, to really dive into the power of your story. I was just telling you a second ago, I was actually at Liberty University when you came and spoke at a convocation back in 2018, and it was a message that really stuck with me specifically, and I know so many others. But like I said, the power of a story is what we love to focus on here at the Built Different Podcast and how people are wired and just shaped so differently from different experiences to different people that God places in our lives. But Mo, you are very familiar with the topic of adversity, and the theme that you really have discussed a lot is the theme of control, and it's something that we all struggle with. So Mo, just to start us out today, what would you say to the person right now who's listening and tuning into this specific interview who doesn't know if he or she is ready to give up control and walk in complete surrender of a God who is for them and has their best interest at heart? Well, I would welcome them um, certainly into company that understands yeah. this wrestling match. Uh, I think that every single one of us has to uh, move through. I I think over time, what I've probably learned and would have told my younger self, who such a performer, I was an athlete, mm, I'm a yeah. perfectionist, I'm a performer, I'm wired to understand uh, that making a plan, following it, you know, being in control is what yields results. Yeah. I I would welcome uh, anyone who resonates with that into the adventure of learning to rest, mm. really, uh, to loosen the grip, to release, and to actually walk into freedom. Mm. I think a lot of the times we uh, we use the word control, yeah, but really, uh, I've learned over time it's more like a desperate learned helplessness. Um, so if you were in prison. You were offered freedom. Yeah. Someone came, busted open the prison doors, mm. extended, let me go into the Jesus metaphor, extends <laughs> his hand to bring you out of darkness into the light. How often do we walk forward with him and then uh, it gets nerve wracking or faith is required or we don't know what's next or we feel like we don't have any control. And so we'd rather let go and run back. Mm. Let me run back to the way I did things or let me run back to you know what I knew we don't even realize we're running right back into a prison cell. So I, um, I think the more I've matured, I've realized every time I want to tight grip that control. Mm -hmm. I need to remember I'm called to walk in freedom, not a learned helplessness. Mm. And my idea of control, not quite as free as his. So learning to release that's been a big part of my journey. Absolutely. A desperate learned helplessness. That is a word Mm -hmm. right there that I just wrote down, Mo, I mean, you walked through a lot of your high school years really trying to please Mm -hmm. others like you're saying. I understand that. Like you said, being a former athlete, like we are performers. We live for the applause, right? And that's really hard, especially as athletes, that we just want to make everybody happy, especially our coaches, our parents, anybody. But Mo, you're trying to be that perfect girl, right? And you were doing a good job of masking it. 
You were winning pageants, dominating on the soccer field, but you were broken on the inside. You described, though, that there was this knocking on the door to your heart. Mo, help us understand what that experience was really like for you. Yeah, I mean, like like we mentioned, it kind of becomes hardwired. Maybe we're preset this way, but I understood how to get results that I wanted, that I saw as the best possible uh, result. You know, there were so many different facets in my life that growing up I wanted to control. So athletically, yeah, performing, pageants, acting, all of those things. Uh, But that desire for control bled into like relationships too. Mm. I wanted to control where I'd fit in, who would accept Mm. me. And then it came into my home life. I wanted to control, you know, um, relationships with my family, how proud my dad would be of me. I would Mm. say that was probably the biggest at the root, if I'm being truly honest, was desperate to make my dad proud. Mm. Um, And it wasn't wasn't helpful that it was sort of an unhealthy relationship at home in that Uh, when I would play well or perform well, I was like daddy's best girl, front seat of the truck. You know, we're going to get ice cream after the game. If I perform poorly or bring home a poor grade or whatever it may be, I could get the silent treatment in my home for days, Mm. um, not even be acknowledged by my dad. Um, And I think that since this is a (laughs) counseling session to my childhood trauma, it's like, (laughs) You know, I I realize more and more how much that earnest desire that I think so many of us carry to do well, to make others proud, like you said, it can be a great thing to be driven and to be competitive. But if not carried healthfully, it can become a really toxic thing. And in my own life, it became um, a pretty toxic prison where I... Uh, was living for the applause of others, for their acceptance, um, including the most intimate relationship in my life of my of my own dad. And mm. when that didn't come, it really caused me to question my worth, my value, uh, my identity, ultimately. And um, that pushed me into a really unhealthy place where if I couldn't control anything else in my life, I could at least control um myself, my own body, it developed into just self-hatred, eating disorders, self-harm, all of these things I could kind of keep behind closed doors and hidden, but were ultimately just really unhealthy expressions of this desperate need to feel like I had a grasp on something, even if that something was hurting me. And does it make a ton of sense when I look back and re-explain it to myself and yet I see it you know, symptomatically kind of move through my generation, younger generation, everyone has this, I don't know, has to navigate this place of what if I want this control? Is it healthy? Or when we don't get that approval of man, does things become toxic? And for me, they became really toxic in my life. Hmm. And Mo, um, as we continue to talk there, you know, I am in the counseling field, so I just graduated with my master's in clinical mental health counseling. So it's funny that you said this is wow. like a therapy session. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> it's What's funny about it, though, is that these very same issues are things that I see across from me every single day in the client chair, right, is just being able to walk with people along this main overarching question of who am I? right? Where is my identity found? So many people have that over looming, I would say, question in their life. And as you had that, 
you know, you got, like you said, when you had success, you were there and your dad was really pressing into you and you found like Mm -hmm. your worth and your identity in him. And let's go in, you go to freshman year, everything's starting to go well, it seems like, right? You're going to LSU to play soccer. Yeah. You are absolutely killing it. You had an unbelievable year. I mean, an all-American, all-freshman SEC team, you're shattering records. But I want to talk about a moment in particular. You score a 90-yard goal. I mean, that just <laughs> does not happen. You're all over SportsCenter, ESPN, and even though you heard the crowd applauding and your teammates are probably going nuts, but there was one particular voice in the crowd that you heard the most. Can you take us back just to that moment? Yeah, it was a it was a special moment. So, you know, having having lived a lot of my young life yeah. seeking that approval and, you know, hoping to make my dad proud, um, as unhealthy as that got at times, there was a, a really special moment that freshman year. Um, where I lined up, took this routine free kick, somebody got a handball right outside my eighteen yard box and I was a goalkeeper and lined up, struck the ball. I could not replicate that if my life depended on it. It was just this divine sport moment. Uh, <laughs> took one bounce. The other goalkeeper misjudged it right over her head. And it was like Baton Rouge erupted. I mean, it people went crazy. It was overwhelming. I mean, my head's ringing because I just can't believe what's happened. And uh, yet over all the noise and the chaos and the commotion, I could hear one voice. And it was my dad who looks like fat Tarzan underneath the press box, just (laughs) losing his mind. He's like beating his chest, just screaming at the top of his lungs. And it's like five minutes later, the play has gone on. Other things are happening. And my dad is still just out of this world. And I remember looking up and that, that's such a, a strong memory in my mind because it was like, I did it like Mm. he this is supernatural I mean this is just wild and he's so proud and I remember I'm a six foot one and so I'm this six foot one like 19 year old in college and he came down at the end of the game and I just ran up to him and I jumped into his arms as if I was a three-year-old and I remember whispering in his ear dad I scored a goal like as Mm. if he didn't know (laughs) And he was like, I know, baby, I'm so proud of you. And it was just this really, um, really special moment sports wise, of course, I think maybe one other person, I think David Beckham literally had scored a 90 yard goal, but it wasn't off a, a non-rolling ball. It was off like a moving, moving ball. And right. so it was this really cool sports moment. But to me, it was an even cooler daughter moment. Um, mm. And that was beautiful. I, I Admittedly, I was on like a high. I was like, yeah mountaintop you couldn't touch me at that point and things you know changed quickly following that but that was a special kind of freeze frame moment in the story um especially considering all that i'd navigated kind of growing up and working towards that right i mean you worked extremely hard to get to these moments we all know in athletics like we work really hard for these mountaintop type of moments right but then it's it's crazy how life then can be so humbling um, and can just yeah. throw us, in baseball terms, a curveball out of absolutely nowhere. Because it seems yeah. like everything is smooth sailing for you, like you said, but then one day you come home, and on January 3rd, 2009, your dad, who was your biggest fan, your hero, the person that you look to in the crowd, your confidant, your best friend, um, didn't show up at home. Mo, help our listeners really understand 
what happened that day? Yeah, I think big picture, it uh, really brings to life how temporal and fleeting our sense of control is, how uh, quickly we can just step right off the tip top of that mountain. And like you said, life can throw a curveball. So to put our stock in those highs um, is not a not a smart investment (laughs) Uh, because I went home for Christmas break after that senior or that soccer season. And, um, one night my dad didn't come home. It'd been kind of a weird break anyways, just a few strange thing, kind of a weird vibe in our house. But one night he didn't come home and hours passed and our inks kind of rose and we're calling him and straight to voicemail. And mm. my mom finally called us downstairs and there was like a love note written by the phone that said, I do love you and had his name signed by it. Uh, voicemail. It's really hollow and empty sounding and uh, really no answers beyond that besides the fact that that we couldn't find him and my mom shared there was you know some financial strain some things that had come to light Mm. and I remember going to sleep that night just kind of confused what do we pray what do I pray you know I'm 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 coming off the mountaintop I'm like cloud nine nothing could touch me and suddenly this is very disorienting you know and there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing, there's not even answers. I remember thinking, is my dad going to jail? Like, is this mm. financial stuff? What's going to happen? Um, and woke up the next morning to my mom just screaming, sprinting up the steps, getting us in the car, this piece of printer paper in her hand. And I'm like begging to know what's going on. And we're driving around town, just speeding through town to these places he could possibly be. And she finally shoves this paper in the back seat because I'm begging to, to have more information. And yeah. I open it up and look down and it's a suicide letter from my dad, a, a, an email that she printed out that she'd gotten in the early morning hours. And um, now we're trying to find this man before this man gives up and ended up at his office with police officers, chaos. I mean, it's just mm. wild until suddenly it's not and everything gets very silent. Yeah. And um, the police walked in, they tracked cell phone pings and uh, hunted things down and uh, ultimately had found my dad's body with a bullet hole in his heart. And mm. he had, he called it quits. And I think it was that moment. I remember there was this noise that came out of me that I can't even really explain or duplicate. It was just this roar of anguish mm. and it was as if that moment, this is going to sound like the weirdest metaphor, but I think people who have known real grief or trauma know this. Yeah. It was like suddenly something was injected into me and expanded and I just went numb. I just felt oh. hollow and numb. Mm. And I remember thinking and wrestling with this God who I thought was good, right? Yeah. Who I yeah. thought had my best interest at heart. You know, how could a, a good God let such a disaster happen? I, wrestling with like when something is so far out of your control and it's Mm. so profoundly impacted your story what then like I chalked all of my previous success and all I endured highs and lows up to my strength my ability my performance Mm. and suddenly now I'm the daughter of a suicidal man I'm orphaned by my father Mm. and what happens now? I can't, there's nothing I can do to control to change that piece. It's done. Like death is so final. Mm. Um, 
And so I think that was really a place where you'll, you'll learn the trauma in your life if you're built on sand or stone. And I was certainly built on stand. My faith, my identity, my hopes, my control, all of it just washed away by a tidal wave. And it really spiraled me into depression, into mm. anxiety. Man, I had to go back to college, into promiscuity, into alcohol partying. I mean, everything that looks very normal, average for a college student, so broken. I was in so much pain and just hid. I just mm. hid behind all of those things and hurt a lot. Yeah. And Mo, as you're saying, you're spiraling out of control. You're falling into this mm -hmm. depression. You're making some choices that you probably don't want to be making, but you're just lost. Right. Because like you said, the very person that you were finding a lot of your identity and worth in is now gone. Because like you said, death mm -hmm. is final, right? So here it is. And now you're questioning, where am I? Who am I? Yeah. Emil, you're driving. I've heard you say you're driving one night. You were completely broken. Um, you're crying out to God. You wanted to trust him, but you just didn't. And you're begging right. him to reveal himself to you, questioning maybe, like you said, how his love is supposed to be so unending, yet he allowed such terrible and tragic things to happen to you in your own life. But you said this prayer, and as soon as you finished the prayer, something happened. Can you help our listeners understand what happened and how this experience caused such a drastic change and turn in your life? Yeah, um, so I really struggled for close to a year, lost my dad in January and it was now November of the same year. And yeah, yeah I, I was broken. I was resentful. I mm. was so angry. I was yeah. such a great actress. We should win Academy Awards <laughs> for what great actors and actresses we are. Yeah. You know, we're good on the surface and I'm fine. And yeah, you know, sports is my sanctuary, whatever <laughs> yeah. it may be. I was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I mean, I was hurting mm. and um, it'd been almost a year of that. Really, I kind of found myself at a place where I understood why my dad did what he did and I saw it as a viable option, suicide. And not only that, and this may resonate with anybody who's been a suicide survivor, man, enemies wicked like this. I, I would literally felt convinced at times that not only could I do what he did, I was probably inevitably like bound to. Wow. That's how crushing this depression and this anxiousness felt of like, if my own father mm. could kill himself, I'm his daughter. Right. So, so to bring it to life a little more, I'd put my identity in something that something had failed. And so yeah. I was certain I was bound to fail to as fail well too. in the very same way. Mm. And, um, I was headed home for Thanksgiving break, just at a breaking point. Uh, I mean, just to be totally real, I'm depressed. I'm anxious. I'm, I'm texting my hookup when I get home in Georgia, you know, just yeah. numb, just anything to mm. fill the void. Mm. And I was headed down the interstate, been stuck in traffic and it was like one in the morning and really in my heart crying out. Yeah. God, if you're so real, do something right. because I've grown up hearing all about you. I could tell you sort of the flow of the word. I could share the gospel. Mm. I, I know a lot about this like religion, yep. but if you're so real, I don't, I don't know that you're real or that you're good or that you care. Mm. I feel invisible. 
I don't even know my identity. Would it matter if I died? You know, just this really dark place. And if you're so real, do something. And disclaimer, that can be a very dangerous prayer to pray. Yeah, challenging. More than willing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I would advise it, but I wouldn't maybe come with a little more pure of a heart posture. But I admittedly, I wasn't, I wasn't in a super pure place. I was mad. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like there's got to be more. If there's not more, I don't want to live this life. If there is more, I need to know it because I don't know how I'm going to make it through. And, um, I'm speeding down the interstate, just wrestling with these things in my heart. And the next thing I knew, my car is like in the center median and my Mm. wheel is just cranking and jerking. I tried to pull it back onto the interstate, like snap out of it and shot straight across. I hit an embankment, flipped my Jeep several times. Um, I mean, I'm going like 75, 80 miles an hour and land upside down in this ravine on the side of the interstate completely alone and mm. very physically broken and wounded. I, I'd broken my neck, damaged ribs, wow. lungs, liver, jaw. I mean, I was a little, little sloppy at the moment, um, <laughs> but I remember hanging upside down in the Jeep and coming to, and it's always challenging for me to find the words to describe this. But when, when I say, the presence of the spirit of the living God Mm. of the living God just poured into that vehicle. And I'd heard the gospel my whole life. Right. I mean, I'm Bible belt in Georgia. It's like churched, churched all the way. I'd heard it in one ear and out another a thousand times over, but suddenly there was this revelation of his sustaining love. My life was sustained, could have Mm. easily died in that moment. Uh, His sustaining love and somehow this deep revelation personally Mm. of the gospel. Mm. Who am I, God, to save? I'd be okay if I die right now. That was what was on my mind, yet you've sustained my life. I'm the promiscuous girl. I'm the woman at the well to the max. Like I've got a reputation that precedes me. I've been the one that's been hypocritical, put on the mask, faked fine, talked the Christian talk, just broken behind closed doors. Who am I that you would pay mind to me? And it was just like the full weight of the gospel Mm. overwhelmed me. And suddenly there was this revelation of my efforts to control. It was like this voice came, just be still, Psalm 4610. That's right. Know that I am God. And this know was deeper than the surface level knowing. It was this deep invitation to know I'm in control. Mm. Not me. This is Mo. That. This is God's voice. This is, I I am in control and you are not. And you can continue to try to let the haphazard winds of life, like blow your broken pieces back together, or you can finally hand over control and trust me as the one who desires to rebuild you into a new creation. And I'll do it. There's no broken piece that I want to leave out. I love all of you Mm -hmm. just as I'm finding you, you know, the center of whom I am the worst. But I, I want to, to know you, to be known by you and to rebuild you into a new creation and, and that you would know my glory and reflect it. And I'm like, 
I couldn't say no. <laughs> I mean, disclaimer, I said yes in that moment to, <laughs> to true relationship with Jesus mm. because I encountered the spirit of God. And that was very different than encountering even some of the best church services for decades of my life. That's right. I encountered the spirit of God that showed me my need and his perfect mercy and grace. And it was wild. It changed everything. That's wild. That really is. And like you're saying, we're all broken vessels, but God really wants every piece of us, right? He wants Mm -hmm. every puzzle piece that we have to offer. And I feel like what you really experienced was God's sustaining grace, as Max Licato calls it, right? When he doesn't promise the absence of pain in our life, but he promises the presence of himself in the midst of that pain. And he really showed up and showed off in your life. You've been quoted Mm -hmm. saying, I gave my heart to the Lord that day, hanging upside down, broken. And since that day, my life has never been the same. Since that moment, Mo, your life has propelled, and the Lord has placed you on a very unique platform to strengthen the church as a whole. You're a New York Times bestselling author, most notably for your book, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot. You also have a new book out called Fully Known. And here at the Build Different Podcast, what we love to do is we love to place an emphasis and focus on the power of relationships. It's evident Mm -hmm. that you are so unashamed of your faith, but it's also evident that you've journeyed along the way to get to this point in your life. Mo, help our listeners really understand, you've said it already, about the difference between a religion, right, what some people view as Christianity, going through the motions, but how God, though, really wants all of us and all of our heart in a personal relationship. What's the difference? Yeah, the difference between uh, religion and true earnest relationship is night and day. It's almost mm. hard to, to quantify yeah. to, in words. Um, the difference between knowing a lot about God going through the church motion, even doing the the good works, you know, being a good person, the profound difference between that Mm. versus true earnest intimacy with God, they are very different things. Mm -hmm. One is, um, is performative. The other is so personal and real and rich Mm. It affects every area of your life. And when I, you know, said yes to him, it's just like we would know and progress through relationship with one another. It's not like suddenly, instantly, I, you know, got out of that hospital bed and was prophesying and, you know, (laughs) seeing all the works of the spirit come to fruition. It's like, no, I got out and I said, where do we start? Yeah. Like I want, I want to know you. And that is my top priority. God, I can't mm. deny when you've encountered the spirit of God, there's no denying it. There's a, a shift that yeah. happens in your heart. And it just began with like, I think of Galatians five twenty five all the time. Mm. If we live by the spirit, let us stay in step with the spirit. I was mm. not prepared to run a marathon before me yet like Paul talks about us enduring but I was willing to take the first step and to to start to work my way up and man it was just leaning in to to God in the intimate unseen place there's no flashy show there's no like 
let me let everyone know everything instantly. It was just starting by saying like, where, where do we begin? Mm. And he just started so kindly and patiently pointing things out. Hey, let's start here. I remember, um, man, I just had such an earnest hunger for him. And suddenly I realized one day I was, I was like watching what I would used to watch on TV. And I was like, whoa, wh- what am I watching? <laughs> yeah. Suddenly my eyes started to get really sensitive. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm like starting to listen to music. I'm like, what am I listening to? My ears became sensitive. My heart became tender for, for people around me. My desire to sin, it was dissolving. I mean, mm. I remember going back to campus and I'm on fire, right? But I, I didn't know, like I still went back to what was familiar. I was set on fire, but I went back to what was familiar. Mm. And cause I'm thinking these are my people, like, you know, how do I, what would I do? Just go sit alone and, and, uh, figure out life. And I remember I kind of went right back into the rhythm of my old sin, Mm. but it was, it was different. It wasn't like suddenly there was this condemnation that made me want to hide under a rock and bail from this whole faith thing. There was this conviction of like, you've known better and you've tasted what is good. And you don't really, the invitation God extended me was like, you want to come away with me for a while? Mm. I remember just being out like back in the bars in Baton Rouge and just feeling like, this is awful. <laughs> what am yeah. I doing? And the invitation of the spirit was like, hey, come away with me for a while. Mm. And I remember coming into the scripture, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And it was like this all, this invitation to all just took on new form. I was like, that means everything. Yeah. So I stepped away from friendships that were unhealthy, you know, relationships mm. that were toxic. I, I stopped. It's so silly, but like the only Christian music I knew about, my great aunt had given me this like one Jeremy Camp CD, and it was oh, yeah. wedged so deep in my car, right? And it was like, I'm like, I guess this is Christian music, okay? And I remember <laughs> putting it in. It's all that was in my CD player for a year. I. <laughs> I didn't know where other people were like getting music. I had no Christian friends really, but I'm like, Jeremy Camp. And so it was just sort of the one step at a time. He made my eyes sensitive, my ears sensitive, my heart sensitive, and just invited me to come away with him. And Mm. as I feasted on his word, instead of the crap from the TV, like as I listened to worship, instead of whatever else I'd been just letting flow in the junk of the culture. Like as I stepped away from sin and yeah, lost friends and stopped getting invited to stuff and, you know, all these types of things. And my heart just started to know healing. Mm -hmm. And when you will just faithfully take one step at a time of releasing control of saying yes to him, of responding. I mean, I remember I stepped into an intimacy fast. I called it kissless till next Christmas. It was like, I put on the blinders to days of physicality to anything because I just earnestly wanted him. Hmm. And when we will just say yes to him, he starts to change us and sanctify us and make us holy, make us like him and tenderize us. Oh, I never cared so much about things when I didn't know Jesus. Sometimes it's really hard to be... (laughs) To like really no relationship with God because you can't be so callous to the world. Suddenly your heart breaks for what breaks his. And mm. 
mean, I had been addicted to porn for 10 plus years and suddenly my eyes just changed. Everything changed. I ramble because I get so excited. That's it's right. like when we will just say yes to him one step at a time. We're not perfected form right away. He's got to like deliver us. That's right. He's got to heal us. And that happens in this day-to-day, step-by-step walk of intimacy with him. Mm. Um, and it, it'll change our hearts. It'll change everything about us. And that's good. It's hard, but it's holy. It's hard, but it's holy. That's powerful yeah. because like you're saying, so many people... I feel like feel like they need to be perfect, right, before they let God in. They don't want to let God into their mess. But like yeah. you're saying, God wants to be in the midst of it with you. He wants to dive into the nitty-gritty stuff. And something that I feel like God has pressed on my heart during the toughest moments of my life, and I've said this several times on the show, is in the absence of clarity, there is an invitation to intimacy with me, right? That's what God yeah. is really crying out to us. And like you said, come away with me. And just take yeah. that first step. Mo, that's yeah. – I could talk to you all day. Um, seriously, I mean, <laughs> we could sit here and talk and interview all day. But I know as we get it to a close here, um, mm-hmm. you live by Romans 5, 3 to 5, which says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And mm-hmm. hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Referencing back just to the beginning question that I asked you, right? Talking about Mm -hmm. giving up control and finding complete surrender in Christ. Mo, what has the Lord placed on your heart here to close us out that you want to share with us that will bring us hope, encouragement, and motivation to our hearts today? Yeah, I would truly love to remind each and every person that is listening, maybe not even remind, maybe share this with them. Yeah the very first time is that the work of Christ, the completed work on the cross, his death, his resurrection, man, the Pentecostal, the Shavuot, the pouring out of the spirit. Mm. It was so that we would come into each and every one of us, the fullness of our inheritance Mm. in Christ, each and every person listening, you have the invitation to be filled with the spirit of God, to know him, to hear his voice, to walk with him, to move in the gifts of the spirit, to Mm. yield from your life, the fruit of the spirit, to truly no longer be bound by the addiction. You feel like you can't escape or the trauma from your past. You can't forgive or the weakness you've felt over and over, time and time again, the rejection or whatever it may be, the abandonment. Oh, none of these things are what define us. Mm. We are given the spirit of the living God by way of the cross and by way of the kindness of God that we're offered, man, the fullness of him. I think we sort of struggle sometimes as believers and that we think, no, 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 that person up on the stage has some different degree of access or we'll just eat off of like the regurgitated intimacy of another. Hey, Mm -hmm. I went and spent time with the God, with God and he revealed this and, and we live with this secondhand intimacy. Yeah. But God wants you Mm. to, to know him and to experience him, to know his dignifying touch and his still small voice and his Mm -hmm. power 
Uh, and that's what, that's the very power that allows us to persevere when adversity comes and when we're on the mountaintop, that's right. uh, but it's available to every single person. So I would encourage anyone listening in that if you've never known that truth, man, fall on your knees right now, tonight, mm. pray out, God, I know there has to be more of you. I'm, I'm hungry for you. Mm. And so if, if, if you would see it fit, Lord, by your spirit, just pour out um, your heart, pour out your spirit into me that I would know you all the more. And I guarantee you can DM me if it doesn't happen. I will get zero DMs because he loves the cry of his people. Um, right. and, and he always responds. So I would encourage everyone to remember that. Mm. And to all of our listeners, you are completely and wholly loved. And as Mo wrote in her most recent book, you are fully known by a God who just mm-hmm. wants you to experience the fullness that he has prepared just for you. Mo, thank you so much for your time. Quick question real quick. Where can our listeners yeah. find the resources that you have provided in your website? Yeah, moisom.com, M-O-I-S-O-M.com, or just jump over on Instagram at moisom and you can find your way to the site from there. Um, and it's available for you. Amazon, anywhere books are sold, you can grab a copy. Perfect. I challenge all of our listeners, please, please, please utilize those valuable resources and go check out Mo at moisom.com. Mo, thank you so much just for your time, for your vulnerability, and seriously, for chasing after Christ recklessly and for sharing how we can do the same. Mo, thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Man, what a powerful episode of just soaking in all that the Lord was speaking in and through Mo and the power of her story. Guys, I just want to challenge you real quick. Make sure you go check her out at Mo Isom, that's M-O-I-S-O-M dot com, and really just utilize the valuable resources in the books that she's written. I want to go over those two real quick. The first one, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot, and the second one, Fully Known. Utilize those, grab those off the bookshelves, read them as much as you can. And also, the last thing is just be willing to not only learn, but to take that first step. As Jesus said, come away with me. Go away with Christ and accept that invitation to intimacy with him. As always, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time on the Built Different Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. As we close today, we want to remind you about the upcoming Waymaker World Conference. This world premier Christian counseling event will be held in Orlando, Florida, September 15th through September 18th. Over the last 14 years, the World Conference has sold out with nearly 7,000 counselors, coaches, pastors, chaplains, and more, representing all 50 states and over 40 countries. To find out more, go to worldconference.net. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. Hi there, this is Jessica from the Built Different Podcast team. As a reminder, you can listen to this show on your favorite podcasting platforms, such as Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Stitcher. Whatever platform you choose, please remember to subscribe to the Built Different Podcast with Zach Clinton. 
Also, if you happen to catch the show on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. Thanks again for tuning in to the Built Different Podcast.